Well, good morning, church. Really glad that uh, you all could make it here. And uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles to uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, starting around verse 43 or so. That's the scripture that we we will be doing today. And uh, you know what Brant was saying is, is, is true for me as well as far as the... There's a certain thing that we have in our minds, and uh, we want to communicate that uh, to our listeners. Uh, I know I always do when I'm preparing a message. Uh, I pull something out, and I think, boy, well, this is, this is good. God, what you've got going on in this text is really good, and, and, and I'm excited about it, and I want to uh, transfer that excitement to you guys too. But I feel like often that, that doesn't happen the way that I want it to. Um, sometimes something else happens or... Uh, the excitement is in a, a different point in my message. So I don't know, but more important than the excitement that I have inside of my mind is um, the excitement that the Lord has in writing these words through the man that he put them on paper with and the excitement that is in these words as they change your life. So as I read this story, I want you to uh, focus on what God is trying to communicate through the connecting with his first disciples and why they're recorded in the Gospels for us. Uh, John chapter 1, starting with verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Come and follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. How can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know that about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. And then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, Do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And then he said, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Now we don't hear a whole lot about Nathaniel in the gospel. Uh, We don't read stories about him or there's nothing recorded that comes to the top of my mind where it says that he failed. Uh, But we know that he's a human and so he had rough parts and he had good parts of his life. Um, But we do get the point to where Jesus called him. And Philip uh, reached out to Nathaniel. Something in Philip's mind said Nathaniel would really like to hear about Jesus and he would make a good fit. And then he became a disciple of Christ. I, I, I love this story of just Nathaniel. Um, you know, what's he doing under the fig tree? 
Jesus said, I, I could see you under the fig tree. And I thought several things. You know, maybe um, Nathaniel has had a bad day. And I think if you've watched The Chosen, um, that's kind of the image that's portrayed there. And Nathaniel has, has been through a lot of rough parts, and he's finally just hiked to the top of this hill, and he's sitting under a, a fig tree uh, getting some shade. Maybe Nathaniel was sitting under that tree doing some studying. A lot of scholars say that. Um, in Israel, you know, it's a hot and dry climate, so shade's a big deal. When it's hot for us in the summertime, uh, sometimes you can't get relief from the heat and the shade because it's so humid, but there, just a little bit of shade would provide comfort. Remember the story of Jonah? when uh, there was a a small plant that grew up and and Jonah was excited about the shade and then the worm came and and ate the plant and it was unfortunate again. He was back in the hot sun. So perhaps Nathaniel was using this tree as a soft place where he could just relax and talk to God or read the scripture. Jesus did mention that he was a man of integrity a man of study, a genuine son of Israel. So perhaps that's what Nathaniel's doing. Well, we'll probably never know exactly what was going on under that fig tree, but Jesus knew. Jesus knew. And you know, in Nathaniel's story of conversion that we get, there's a great difference between the manner of his conversion and that of the Apostle Paul's. Do you remember how the Apostle Paul was converted to believe in Jesus? He had to be struck, like all at once, uh, hit the ground, and now he's blinded. And then the Apostle Paul uh, comes to understand who Jesus really is and turns from his lifestyle of persecuting the Christians into preaching the word of Jesus. Quite different here with Nathaniel. Nathaniel is a man of integrity. Uh, Jesus' words to him tell us that he was a a man who was perhaps after God's heart. But you know what? The difference between Nathaniel and Paul's conversion is great, but the inward change is much the same. Here's six points of Nathaniel's conversion that we can keep in mind when discipling others to Christ. We're going through a series this year, starting this year, about the process of discipleship. That's the process that probably each one of you guys, including myself, went through when we came to learn about Jesus. Something, a seed was planted in our life to where we desired more, and we wanted to learn more, and we sought out someone, or someone found us, to help us along that path, to teach us what faith means, to teach us what forgiveness is and who offers forgiveness, the path of discipleship. And so here's these six points. Uh, First of all, uh, Nathaniel heard. Nathaniel uh, heard. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, hey, we found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. 
Philip actually heard these words because, or Nathaniel actually heard these words because Philip said them. And Philip wanted to go to Nathaniel and say these words. He heard the joyful tidings from someone who had found Jesus and was satisfied with him. And I don't know if Nathaniel would have been excited to come if they hadn't come from a person, Philip, so excited about what he had found. There's a point for us. Remember to be excited about your faith in Jesus because others will catch on to that. Now, I'd like to point out that uh, Philip's gospel was not an it, but a him. See, Philip got to preach the gospel message like you and I. He got to spread the good news to Nathaniel. Um, and often, you know, we think the good news is a, is a thing. The good news comes out of our scripture, its words, but we can't think that way. Check out Philip. The gospel that he was spreading was a hymn. It was a person. It was, hey, Nathaniel, come and see the good news, which is a person who actually lives. And folks, when, when we're preaching the good news with your neighbor or your friends, we have to remember that our good news is a person, is the son of the living God. The good news is a hymn. Jesus, in whom the hope of Israel lies. Him who answers all the predictions of Moses and the prophets and meets all the needs of a human soul and a perishing world. Nathaniel heard. The 10th chapter of Romans, chapter 14, says, But how can they call on him? to save them unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? All who have found Jesus are surely able to witness to him. And this verse from Romans tells us that if those who need Jesus uh, don't hear about him, then how can they come to him. It's our job to spread the gospel message. We hear it, now we spread it. And hey, you know, Nathaniel questioned. He said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Although Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he was brought up in Nazareth so that he would become a Nazarene, Matthew chapter 2. Verse 23 tells us that. And Nazareth was an insignificant and perhaps an infamous town. How could the greatest of all the prophets come from such an unlikely place? Nazareth was that town in which you just can't imagine anything good coming about from it. And the Savior? The Savior of the world? Choose to come from that town? Hey, like Nicodemus, do you remember Nicodemus? Jesus came to Nicodemus and was explaining to him, oh, here is what you must do to be saved. You must be born again. And Nicodemus couldn't help but ask, how can this be? And, you know, Nazareth, Nathaniel couldn't help but ask, 
How is this possible? And Philip, he wasn't inclined to try to convince Nathaniel with words. Oh, he could have tried to convince Nathaniel. Well, here, here's how it's possible. Here's how he came from Nazareth, this and this and this. But he simply answered, come and see for yourself. Come and see. You know, it's wonderful how difficulties melt away when you are face to face with the Son of God. The clouds of doubt cannot stand when you experience Him. His words heal our souls and warm our cold environment. Hey, it's really cold out there today. It is so cold. And uh, morally, it can be really cold out there. It can be a cold environment. Man, when I worked at a factory before I was a full-time pastor, um, most of the offices that I worked in didn't have windows. And my office actually had a window, but well, the boss liked the blinds to be shut all the time so no sunlight would get in. And, well, being in that office with little or no human interaction and no, no sunlight coming in, the only word I can think of to describe the environment there was cold. It was cold. I think that's often how we feel about our environments out there in society, in maybe our workplace, in the community. It can be cold. But you know what? Even though that may be the forecast that you hear, things are going to be rough. You know, hold on. It's only going to get worse. That might be the forecast, but don't listen to that forecast. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says to not focus on the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will hear and learn the true forecast, which is to know that God's will for you is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, for us to understand this, I, I think we have to have something that, I don't know if there's a term for it, but it's like heaven's logic. The world has logic. Logically, this makes sense. Logically, but... When we put our faith into action, if we're to understand what the Word of God says, then we have to have heaven's logic. You know, everything around us might look bad, but we know who our God is and that He is able to take care of us. That's heaven's logic. The only way to explain the joy that we can have in trials is by using heaven's logic. The only way to explain having peace in the middle of a storm is by understanding heaven's logic. God's word tells us about it. Nazareth. How can it be? Well, when you or someone whom you are discipling questions the word of God, the appropriate answer is come and see. So many of God's ways can't be understood using the world's logic. It can only be understood when we have a relationship with Him. Heaven's logic. 
Now, Jesus proved who he was to Nathanael. Nathanael came to Jesus, <clears throat> and when Jesus <clears throat> seen him coming, he said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Uh, how cool would that be to have Jesus come to you and say those words? You know, and as a matter of fact, he does say those words to you. He says, I have loved you and I've made you to be a masterpiece. And he calls you to follow in his footsteps. So he comes to Nathanael and he says, here's a genuine son of Israel. And Nathanael says, how do you know about me? How do you know me? Because if this is a regular guy, there's no way. And then Jesus revealed two of his amazing attributes, omniscience and omnipresence, all-knowing and being everywhere always. He said, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Jesus knew even before Philip did. Now, again, did Nathaniel think Jesus was some sort of stalker? How do you see me under the, the fig tree? Were you watching or are you some sort of a weirdo? But no, Nathaniel didn't say that. Why? Because he could see Jesus. And he began to understand heaven's logic. This guy knows about me and he knows what kind of man I am and he cares enough to speak to me. You know, Nathaniel's situation is much like the woman at the well um, about her experience. You know, when Jesus came to her and uh, she didn't know exactly who he was and he proved it to her by telling her things that she had done. You know, he knew all about her life. And, of course, uh, in her case, it was bad. It was things that she had done wrong. Um, and then he followed up with asking her to follow him. In Nathaniel's case, Jesus told him good things. But in both cases, all that mattered is what they did from that point forward. Follow Jesus. Has the Lord ever proved his goodness to you? Has he shown you something that made you feel so close to him? Remember that. Remember a point in life when he proved his existence to you and use that for fuel when you're discipling other folks, when you're holding hope for them. You know, Nathaniel believed. Jesus asked him, do you believe in uh, this just because I told you? You know, he told him he'd seen him under the fig tree and Nathaniel just, just believed. The inference is clear that he, he did, in fact, believe. What else could he do? The evidence of Jesus being Messiah had been overwhelmingly convincing. Christ's divinity was proven by the change he made in Nathaniel's heart and conscience, not by an outward display of miracle. Here again, we see something happening inside of Nathaniel that doesn't directly come out of our text and leap into our souls. 
Something is trying to be communicated that we have to understand through heaven's logic. Something happened within Nathaniel that he's like, man, nothing else matters from this point forward except for following Jesus. I believe in you, he says. Now, miracles are great that we can see. We all love miracles. And, and Jesus performed many miracles. Um, but the change inside of a person's heart when they believe is even more explainable. Um, sorry, more, even more unexplainable. We see miracles happen, but the miracle of a changed heart is often something we cannot instantly see. We only see it through the direction of that person's path and the fruit that comes after that. The best way to prove the divinity and the saving power of Jesus is to submit yourself to him. And then you will have a witness that cannot be silenced. Nathaniel then confessed. He exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. He believed with his heart and he confessed with his mouth. This is something that the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans so much. Believing in his heart and confessing with his mouth. We need to do that confession parts so much. You need to confess uh, for yourself. You need to confess for others. And this confession on Nathaniel's part was fearless and full. As the Son of God, he was mighty to save. And as the King of Israel, all honor and submission was due to him. If we acknowledge Jesus as Savior, then we should also submit to him as king. He is both Savior and Lord. You know the confession that Thomas made? Thomas, the, the one who doubted Christ, he says, until I see and am able to feel the pierced holes in his hands, then I won't believe. And then Jesus came to him and proved himself to Thomas. And Thomas says, My Lord and my God. The scripture tells us that many people in those days, and we could also say this of people today, believed in Jesus, but are afraid to confess him. John chapter 2, 12, verse 42, says many people did believe in him, however, including some of the Jew Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than praise of God. Hmm. Remember that it is those who confess him before men that will confess his Father, that, will, that he will confess before the Father in heaven. <clears throat> Let me say that again. Those who confess him before men, he will confess before his Father in heaven. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Confessing Jesus helps you remind yourself how serious you are about faith. And confessing is also a big part of discipleship. After all, how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? 
And Nathanael was encouraged. Jesus says, oh, you will see greater things than this. You will see heaven open. Man, we should go about life seeing the open door to heaven. Do you know how much that would help us in our day-to-day lives? Uh, Just sometimes stuck in the office and the sun from the window, when it comes through, helps us about our day. Working outside in the cold, Flint and I, we go chop ice and then we load the wood stove and and when it's uh, zero degrees, it's really difficult. But the numbness that starts creeping into our fingers, we know that the house door is unlocked and it's warm inside of there. So we can continue and persevere knowing that the door is unlocked. Do we know that the door to heaven is open for us. My brothers and sisters, whatever you are going through in life, whatever is making life hard and cold, I want you to see that the door to heaven is open. And I want you to be encouraged by it. I want you to be able to just know that this place may be difficult, But by Christ's power and His strength in you, you can make it. And that door to heaven, if you put your faith in Jesus, is a place that you will go through and experience warmth that will destroy all the cold that threatens you now. I want you to see that door all the time. I want you to be encouraged by it. You can live confidently knowing that on the other side of that door is perfect. And the light coming from that open door to heaven, the light of Jesus, will keep you warm enough so that you survive until you get through that door. Jesus says, I am the way and no one can come to the Father except through me. He is the mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus the stairway to heaven, the stairway that Jacob saw and wrote about, greater things you will see, Jesus tells Nathaniel. Greater things. Nathaniel probably didn't think that the cross was a greater thing. Maybe he understood the greater things when the erection happened. Perhaps it was the ascension that helped Nathaniel believe the greater things. Folks, we can see the greater things that Jesus was talking about. And not only the resurrection of Jesus, but that resurrection and that ascension means that we will be resurrected on the final day if we put our faith in Him. That we can ascend to heaven Because of that stairway, Jesus says is the greater thing. The way is Jesus. Will you show others how to go up that staircase? How to use Jesus as the way to get to heaven? I pray you do. And if you aren't in view of that door that's open for you, then I pray that you would be constantly knowing 
of his love for you and the path that leads to heaven is Jesus. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for this time to study your word. We thank you for the example that you give in Nathaniel and in the calling of all of your disciples. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would keep us strong. And uh, Lord, to give us the words we need to have when we're spreading the gospel to others. Lord, give us the strength to make it through the storms of life. Lord, we ask that you would be with us now as we worship you. In the name of Jesus.